Hello friends and welcome to the second Rhode Island Builders Association news and information podcast. I'm your host Paul Eno and co-hosting with me today is Ariba Executive Officer John Marcantonio. We're very pleased to have as our guests today Elizabeth Tanner, Director of the Rhode Island Department of Business Regulation and Juliana Georgiakis who is Deputy Director of DBR. And welcome you ladies, as the, the uh, except for John, uh, the, the first guests ever to be on this podcast. Thank you. Wow. We're honored. Thank you. Okay, very good. And let us begin. Uh, we, I think, on everyone's mind is the notion of the COVID-19 uh, issue that is still ongoing, public health issue. Uh, as far as um, the construction industry is concerned, uh, can you give us the latest on job site safety guidelines for the construction industry? And we're speaking now on May 28th, 2020. So, uh, Liz, if you'd like sure. to Sure. Uh, Paul, this is... Or Juliana, whoever, that's fine. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, I, I've been working on these with uh, the Commerce team for a while, and Liz has been involved as well but um i think the basic takeaway is that construction needs to follow the general business guidelines that are posted on reopening rhodeisland.com um and those are you know all businesses have to have a covid plan they have to have posters on the job site people need to be wearing masks where they can't easily continuously and measurably social distance that you know important six feet apart from each other um daily cleaning sanitizing things Workers need to be screened as they start their shift at the beginning of every shift. Um, there needs to be a response plan. And a response plan, I think, is one of the most important key aspects of the, of the whole COVID plan because it's, you know, if someone comes to work and I do find that they are sick or I find out that one of my employees or someone that was on my job site tested positive, what do I do? And I think that that's one of the major um places where perhaps we haven't gotten the information out as best we could because I still get a lot of questions around that. And and the simple answer to that is, you know, don't let people on the job site that are sick. Unfortunately, in some industries, people tend to still want to come to work even if they are sick because they're living paycheck to paycheck and they know they're not going to get paid if they don't come in. Um, but if you as an employer see that someone is sick, you have to send them home. You have to, you know, they, they have to get tested. People that have been in close contact with that employee have to stay home for 14 days. Even if they end up not getting sick, they still have to stay home for the full 14 days. And people that test positive, they have to stay out of work for a minimum of, of 10 days. And that's three days with absolutely no symptoms. And I think it's important for all employers to know that it's their responsibility to know on their job site who has come into contact. And when we mean contact, we, we mean less than six feet for a prolonged period of time. Who's come into contact with that sick employee and you have to ask them to, to self-quarantine at home. Um, these are important things of kind of containing an outbreak. And you know, kudos to the construction industry so far. I don't know about you, Liz, but I haven't heard anything come DVR's way. Um, when it when it comes to that so you guys are doing a fantastic job okay uh liz did you want to amplify well just to agree with what julia said as far as um we have gotten almost no complaints about the construction industry uh, they've done such a great job uh, particularly with the face mask usage in the beginning i know there were some questions about you know what was safe and what wasn't safe um you know i think just one follow-up to what julia had to say is is 
if your employees don't have an opportunity to know what their situation is, we can't stress enough to communicate uh, with the employees to let them know what their rights are, right? So if they do get sick, you want to pay them as much as you, you know, you want to pay them to be out sick because otherwise they're going to come, they're going to get your other employees sick. And then, and then what's that going to do for you? It's going to shut down your entire business, right? So, um, so we can't encourage enough for the uh, employers to communicate with their employees about what, um, about that they want them to stay home when they're sick and how much time off they are entitled to have. Okay. Uh, John, yeah. did you have and, any... and let me add to that. Sure. Juliana. Paul, can I just add to that as well? I, I forgot to mention before that it's also the employer's responsibility to call RIDO, right? The Rhode Island Department of Health. So if you do find out that one of your workers is sick, you are responsible for calling RIDO so that they can start contact tracing. Because it's not just, you know, you knowing who they came into contact with on your job site, it's all their family and friends and stores and everywhere that they've been lately so that those people can quarantine as well. That's the only way, you know, we can contain this. Okay. Uh, John, did you have anything further on that? Well, I mean, a couple of things, Paul. So obviously we've worked with the two ladies here from DBR and we'll continue to get out the latest guidance on, you know, the PPE and the social distancing and the things that by and large our industry has done a decent job with. Um, but I have heard and have um, gotten feedback from companies who have had an employee who's been infected. And just stressing what the, these two um, ladies from DBR are saying is, and I can't stress this enough to the membership and industry at large, is you really do not want anyone who's not feeling well to come to your job site. So, you know, maybe they have a normal temperature, but a lot of these folks, especially the younger men in our industry, it could be, un, un, you know, asymptomatic. And, and to have someone like that come to your job site, could like, could just take out your entire business for an extended period of time. So... I know this. our industry has this machismo mindset where, hey, if you have a sniffle, you come to work. But you have to kind of change that during this pandemic. If someone's not feeling well as the employer, you want to work out a way to keep them home until they're either feeling better or have tested negative. Okay. One of the questions... That's true. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, did anyone else uh, have anything to say on that? Is it... No, but Paul, but if, you, if you'd like me to add a couple of things that are very specific to the industry that, sure, you know, yeah. we won't find in, in general retail or anything, it's, it's carpooling. John, you know, you and I have spoken yeah. about this. I was actually just reading an article recently in New York where the employer found that it wasn't the people on the job site that the sick employee was working with that got sick. It was actually the four other people that they drove to the job site with, mm -hmm. right? Because you're in that contained small space. Um, so it's just really smart. If if you can avoid carpooling with people that aren't in your household, obviously if it's you know a father and daughter going to a job site or a father and son or whatever, that's absolutely fine because you're you're coming into contact with them at home. But if if you're not in the same household, just try to avoid it. Um, it's one of the main ways that we found both in manufacturing and construction that people are getting sick. Okay. A lot of people in the industry with whom I've been speaking uh, in the course of the work for the magazine uh, are wondering, you know, what is the new normal going to look like for the construction industry? I know it's difficult to speculate. Uh, one or two opinions are that there won't be any new normal eventually. As, as in 9-11, within a year, things were pretty much back to normal, except for height, heightened alerts, uh, terrorism um, uh, alerts, and that sort of thing. 
But what about, but can you have any vision at this point of what the new normal will look like for the construction industry and when uh, things will get back to um, the old normal if, they, if they're going to or, or if they ever will? Uh, what say you on that, Juliana? So, I mean, Paul, I think that's the fundamental question, right? Do we, are we going to any time in the foreseeable future get to a new normal? I don't know. Are we, or, or rather back to the old normal? Who knows? I mean, if a vaccine isn't found, I think even the governor said yesterday she envisions, you know, another five to six months of, of wearing masks. And that's if we actually get a vaccine at that point. Yeah. Um, so, so for the foreseeable future, I think people just need to get used to the fact, like they do in many Asian countries, that when you walk around, you wear a mask, you know, you, you sanitize your hands, you wash them frequently, you try to keep your distance from other people. I think for the foreseeable future, that is our new normal. And the construction industry just needs to tailor how it works around those three basic principles. Staying six feet apart, wearing a mask if you can't, and washing your hands as frequently as possible. Okay. Uh, Liz, any thoughts on this? No, just to reiterate what Julietta says, you know, the uh, the... The carpool uh, is really uh, quite an issue that has become um, a big thing for our manufacturers in the state. You know, so uh, we are pretty confident that one of the reasons that we have had uh, problems with our manufacturers is because of the carpooling. So, so yes, um, if you're carpooling, you still need to wear a face mask uh, in the car. Uh, if you're carpooling with people from different families, so. But as uh, how long will that last? You know, t only time will tell. Okay, John. Yeah. Well, yeah. One thing about the new normal, I. I'm telling contractors, especially the remodelers, who, who their business model is working extensively in someone's home. So a kitchen remodeler, a bathroom remodeler, those types of things, hardwood floor, painters inside the house, they're going to have to educate their consumer, and they're going to have to come up with their own protocols that may go above and beyond any of these types of things you're spoken to. Because their, their new normal is that a lot of folks won't let them in their house, and they're going to have to adapt and adjust and comfort those customers in order to continue their way of life. Um, the folks who work on the exterior of a house, I have had no issues with any of the protocols or any of their business models being affected at this time. And there might be some effect with demand over time with the recession that's we're living in right now. By and large, they're still working without limitation or complication from their customers. And I think some of those things that have to be done on the inside of a house is we're learning more. It's about ventilation, right? So if you can open all the windows and doors when you're working in someone's, inside someone's house, if you can follow it and stick to your face mask protocols, if you can show sanitization and hand washing and all these types of things, it, it may go a long way. Bring a porta john right? Not using that person's toilet. I mean, it, going a long way to making a customer feel more comfortable about you working in their house. So we're going to continue to try to develop those types of above and beyond protocols for people. But I think that's where the new normal uh, for the remodeling side of the industry kicks in. When it comes to builders, I know a lot of builders now, their new model, because we want to limit the number of subcontractors on the site so we're not congregating or congesting these job sites so that people can't spread things if one person happens to be sick. Uh, they, they spread out now their subcontractors. So an average house may take an extra month or two to build, but most builders now are completely willing to do that in order to exercise a greater, a greater safety dimension within their business model. So those are some, some changes that have been occurring. Okay. 
Another issue that many of the uh, builders are concerned about, and we've been covering it in the magazine, is uh, permitting, reviews, and inspections. Now, uh, Liz, you had DBR, which is where the buck stops with this, and uh, as Deputy Director uh, Giulietta, you had the State uh, Building Department, which, again, the buck stops. What is the status of permitting, reviews, and inspections as far as delays, personnel, access, things of this kind, because with, with me at least, it, it seems like it depends who you talk to among the builders or the building officials. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer this first because I can't say how proud enough I am of the DBR fire and building um, offices on how quickly they adjusted to the COVID <clears throat> and the ability to have e-permitting. You know, we were weeks ahead of, uh, of every other state who was having such a hard time still dealing with paper applications and the difference between a state and a local request. And here in Rhode Island, we never even skipped a beat. So we're very proud of the, uh, you know, there was a couple of quick changes that we had to make, but I mean, it was it was barely a blip in the road for us. Uh, it's been uh, really just process as normal. Now there have been some certain municipalities that were a little slowed up until they figured things out, but with having e-permitting and the ability to, to to process what needs to be done on the web. It's been uh, really quite remarkable and I'm very, um, very impressed with the staff and how flexible and, and easy they were able to make all of it happen. Okay, Julia? Yeah, and, and Paul, you know, Liz is absolutely right on the local level. I mean, this is where we get to plug in e-permitting, right? Because the, the 28 municipalities that are online should not have had anything more than maybe a week lag on issuing permits and doing their inspections because you know we all needed a week maybe 10 days to say oh my goodness what is this new thing that we have to deal with and you know there's a little bit of uncertainty in that time until you kind of just you know shift gears come up with guidelines and ways to do things in a different way but how wonderful is e-permitting where you don't have to have people come to your town hall and drop off plans and explain your plans and issue a permit you do it all online you know exactly where it's at um, in the process and then all you need is an inspector to come out and look at the different stages and that can be done and I've asked my inspectors to do it this way with very minimal contact either with a homeowner right when my inspectors from contractors board go out to to you know um, adjudicate a claim or with whoever the, gen the GC is on a job site you only have to have one person in some instances you don't have to come into contact with anyone you just say, look, you know, we're being super careful. I just want one person on site standing six feet away from me, showing me, you know, the progress on their work. And then you issue the, the permit it's, or, or the CO or whatever, at whatever stage you're at. So e-permitting has been absolutely fantabulous. Is that a word? For this, uh, for this process. <laughs> and, um, and I think that the few municipalities that aren't online, uh, should should seriously start start looking at it. I know a couple of them have reached out to us even during the pandemic and said we've seen how how great it is to have this, and we want to we want to go forward with it. So okay, all right, uh, John. I know you have a particular interest in uh, these this subject. Uh, do you have anything uh, further to ask uh, our guests? So I mean, look, uh, kudos to you know the folks at DBR who helped set up the e permitting system in the state some years ago. I mean. It, it, with the exception of a few towns that are participating in it, I mean, by and large, the permitting process has been relatively 
unaffected um, by the pandemic. The inspection process, however, has been. But again, working, uh, you know, DBR working with the League of Cities and Towns, with the Building Official Associations, with us, um, there's been kind of a, a cooperative spirit here, especially in our industry. We've told folks to work with the building official who's still willing to come out, um, give them the flexibility, and they give you flexibility. So some building officials are, yeah, take pictures, send them to me. Other building officials like, let me come after hours. Um, but, and that that patchwork here, uh, I know it's a little different in every town, but the flexibility, it, it's working. So the inspection side with few with few uh, complaints, relatively speaking, again, um, has, has worked okay during or well through this process. The next complication, however, that's being tackled, and I'll jump into the next subject matter, is the planning and zoning board process. And I, I'll, I'll let Julieta explain um, what's been done there or what's in the process of being done there to, to get approvals of projects moving along. Well, actually, John, if I could, I cannot. This is Liz. I can explain. Um, so we, we did hear very early on about planning and zoning and, and you know there was no ability to have meetings. <laughs> but about a month ago, uh, the Department of Business Regulation has provided free of charge to every single municipality the uh, top-notch Zoom account, so that they could have a uh, so that they could have their their meetings. So while there are still some who are very hesitant and very nervous, uh, there are plenty of towns who have had several uh, zoning and planning meetings already, and they're fully functional. So we provided the the Zoom account as well as a guidance document, as well as two kinds of training, and the account that they have uh, allows them to have a free customer service rep. So so there's really no excuse for a municipality not to be um, having their zoning and he, um, planning board meetings because they have the tool. Now they might be afraid to use it and they're trying to get used to it and they need some practice. And I think all that is acceptable, but um, but they have the tool and they're, they should be ready to go. And so we're excited for the municipalities who haven't used it. And if, if they're looking to get some resources, they can certainly reach out to us. So if you're running into a town who's refusing to have board meetings, please let us know because we can walk um, walk through the process with them so that they know how to do it. But it is happening across the state just slowly. Okay. And, and to kind of, you know, tag on to that, you know, June 1st, if we actually do manage to get into phase two, as the governor is saying, we're going to be able to congregate in, in people of 15, right? Which means no city or town should have an excuse to not have a board meeting because with 15 people in a room, and then, or five people in a room and Zoom, um, you can have any kind of board meeting you want. I mean, our next contractors board meeting and building code commission meeting um, that are happening in June are gonna kind of be a hybrid of several people are gonna be on Zoom, other people are gonna be there in, in you know, physically present. So meetings should start going on as soon as possible. The thing is, Paul and John, if, if people really realize that, that this is the new norm, so it's not about pushing it out for another month not about pushing it out for two months and then we'll you know deal with the backlog this is this could be what we're going to deal with going forward and in some instances i think we've learned a lot of good ways to deal with the new situation and we and we like some of the things that we've learned i mean i personally never dealt with zoom before and now i love it so i feel like you know conferences and and meetings that i had with people i can easily do them now through the internet, through the web, and, and they're much more efficient and effective. So I, I'm, I'm loving it, actually. Great, okay. John, uh, why don't you just tell everybody how important it is to use REBA as your information source, uh, sort of the clearinghouse for all the information we've heard today and beyond. 
Well, if uh, if they haven't realized it before, I'm sure folks are more aware of it now. I mean, mm. we we do serve um, as an information resource, and and between you, Paul, myself, and the many other folks on the staff, and and the outreach we have, and the cooperative relationship we have at many of the regulators in our industry, we we do our best to disseminate that information in real time, uh, in a real way, uh, as best we can. Um, you know, there have been some complaints to me about, well, geez, Reba says one thing one day and then next week it's different. Well, I mean, I think people now have come to realize that it's a fluid situation that just because the advice was to do something in March, now that we have more information, it's now been clarified to do it this way, which is a better way. So the, the more you pay attention and you listen to the more current information, the better off you'll be, the better your company's going to be, the safer we're all going to be. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I appreciate the question, Paul. Um, the information sometimes people uh, don't don't value it as much as they should. But in, in this crisis, I think everyone understands it's important. Okay. Um, well, if I could, if I could just say a few words to to thank John for his partnership. You know, I do a lot of public speaking, and at the end of it, I always say, "This is exactly why you join an association for your trade." You know, this is why you join a chamber or merchants association, whatever it might be, because you're working 60, 80 hours a week on your business. It's hard for you to know what's going on outside of your your world. But when you have someone like John and Reba, you have people who are there to answer all of your questions to help you figure out what is the best thing to do for whatever it is that's going on. So John's been a great partner and Reba's been a great partner, not just through the pandemic, but um, they always have been as far as sharing information and, and getting the word out. So we can't be more uh, thankful to, to that organization uh, for representing their uh, members so well. Oh, thank you, Liz. Yeah, and one of the thank you, thank you, Liz. Well, one of the things that we're challenged with now, though, Paul, is that this is not just a member-oriented communication, right? So we we do partner with the lumberyards and building officials, and we post things on social media. But you know, it's you know, it's a large industry, meaning there's a lot of small businesses, and we have to continue that outreach. So I'll ask anyone who's hearing this podcast who wants to forward it, forward it to a friend in the industry or a colleague or, and, and share it as much as possible because this is good information. We don't want to limit it just to membership. Okay, very good. Uh, Juliana, final, final word? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like John said, this is such a fluid situation. Yeah. You know, I think that we could speak a month from now and we'd have completely different information for you. Just, you know, we're all in it together. I think that, you know, leadership is trying to do an amazing job in in getting the word out on how people should behave. Uh, you know, Liz, Liz and I kind of head a task force that's out on the streets, making sure people are doing, you know, the, the right thing. And I think people have a huge respect for the severity of the situation. Um, people are wearing their masks. They're, they're putting their COVID plans together. You know, I, I think really people understand that all the things that have happened, even though, you know, they've hurt businesses, have had to happen to keep us healthy and safe. Um, and hopefully it won't drag on forever, but, but you know, it is what it is for now. Okay, very good. And we just remind our listeners uh, that you can contact the Rhode Island Builders Association, uh, 401-438-7400. Uh, RhodeIslandBuilders.org is the website and uh, available <coughs> at all times for information. Now, uh, we want to thank uh, John Marcantonio, Executive uh, Officer of REBA, for being with us today. Also, uh, from the Department of Business Regulation, the Director and, uh, and Deputy Director, respectively, uh, Elizabeth Tanner and Julieta Georgiakis. 
And um, again, it is our second podcast, uh, Viva Information and News and Information Podcast. It is the 28th of May, 2020, and we will talk to you next time.